Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we aim to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I am here today on this free-for-all Friday with George Mays. What's going on, George? How you doing? Pretty good. Not bad. It's a... Uh, it's Friday. We um, made it through another week. Yeah. So far. First first full week of 2021. Barely made it. And uh, it's been wild. It's been wild already. <laughs> um, lot to talk about today. People probably wondering, like, what... Uh, everybody's commenting on what, what happened at the Capitol. Oh, yeah. Every, every other... Right? Every, Every other person's post on Facebook has been. Here's my thoughts on what happened. Here's my thoughts on Capitol. Yeah. Well, we do free for all Friday. We have to talk about it, obviously. <laughs> um, I think we got to help. We have to help um, the people of our church think about it. Right. And you know, if you aren't part of our church and you watch, hey, if we help you to think about it, that's good. I uh, I have a lot of thoughts. As you know, they all. The way I think is in interconnected, woven things that may not make sense to a lot of people, but eventually I'm able to lay them out, and a lot of times just talking to you helps to do that. You came into my office this morning like a rambling madman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you had, a, you had a bunch of things on your mind this morning. Yeah. So hopefully we can... You know, what I've noticed from... Um, looking at the different here's my take on what happened at the capitol it's um i think that it's still just touching a lot of it's just touching on the surface right and we want to get maybe a little bit deeper to right. the root of what's going on because this this didn't just pop up yesterday yeah and it did not the, this kind of stuff it didn't it didn't start with donald trump becoming president right like we we've, we've got a long line of things that have led up to this point in American history. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just thinking back to the recent history, um, I can remember when George Bush was vilified like Trump's vilified. Yeah. Most people, the the political memory is too short. I can remember sitting in uh, Iraq watching the TV, watching Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, um, then it would have been Harry Reid, just completely vilified uh, Bush. Same type of rhetoric and language they would use for Trump. Um, now, don't take that as a defense for Trump, because as, as you'll see, we're going to talk about a lot of things. Um, the The politics of our nation is is uh, it's pretty vitriolic because one side gives rise to the worst of the other side. It's always a reaction. Here's a reaction to what you offered. For four years, we stewed on it. We hated your people. Now we get. Now something arises out of us. You vilify this person. You foment hate in your heart, and gives rise to this person. Back and forth we go. Yeah, um, it's been going on for quite a while. It's. Um, I mean, we're, we're reaping what we've sown. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, God's giving us what we deserve. We've rejected God in every way. I made I made this one post. I made so many posts I deleted this week, but one of them I made. I totally knew what would happen. 
I knew it would happen because our elected officials prayed to a demon. (laughs) Right. To start this most recent Congress. Yeah. That is not how our nation was founded. You may want to try to rewrite history, but you can't. I mean, you look look back at the prayers of the founders of this nation, and you want to say, oh, we got separation of church and state, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, they put that in so that the state wouldn't persecute Christians like they were doing in England. They fled here. They fled state church persecution, and so they wanted people to be able to be freely be Christians. That doesn't mean that uh, Christianity did not inform every single aspect of the government, right? And they prayed to Jesus. Right. You can go read them. Like, I'm sure they want to try to hide as much as they can, but they prayed to Jesus and asked God to bless this nation. We now pray to demons mm-hmm. in our Congress. Yeah. Yeah, the, the you know, lots of funny memes came out of the the guy on the on Sunday saying amen and a women yeah but um, i mean the the real the real problem was before that it's when he was praying to the monotheistic god or and and he started labeling you know brahma um got a big problem there right i thought it was funny that he was praying to a hindu god when right. and and calling him the monotheistic <laughs> god even though right. the even though hinduism has a hundred million yeah. gods, but yeah, you've, you've got you've got people praying to demons. That I mean, this we're not we're not crazy people here when we say that. This is what Paul says. Yeah, he says that these idols are really demons, and they're praying to a demon. Mm-hmm. And um, what do we what do we think is going to happen? Right. What we're we are living in a pagan world. We're living in a pagan country, and we've got pagans. Who are in the the Congress and the, and then the Senate? Mm-hmm. What what do we think is going to happen? Yeah, yeah. So we see God continuing continuing to passively remove grace. Mm-hmm. That's all God has to do to judge a people, right? Like you think God has to actively judge you? No, all He's got to do is passively remove Himself from the equation. Yeah. So go your own way. You want to go your own way? Go your own way, and you'll go the way of every other nation that I've let go their own way. You just self destruct. That's what we're doing. We're self-destructing. So, but I've got a lot of thoughts um, about what I saw at the Capitol. Um, how should we think about it? There are a couple things that I think about. It really bothers me that I, there is such a linking between, um, like you see flags flying with Jesus on it, the Capitol, right? And the Christian flag and all these things and Trump and so I want to I want to talk about that right it's it's gone on for a while like through Trump's presidency and I think really what it's linked to is a a uh, I think it's linked to a denial of you see this is a solo scripture right here right mm-hmm. I think all of this is linked to a denial of the Christian church over years of a denial of Sola Scriptura, whether outright denial or professing to believe it, but denying it in practice. Yeah, I, I think there's there's two things going on here. The first is, it used to be kind of supposed that um, our leaders would be virtuous, mm-hmm. like they would have moral character. 
Uh, and that that goes back all the way back to the founders. Yeah. Like that you look at the founding of our government, you look at the founding documents, and it all presupposes virtue. Right. Um but uh that's that's kind of gone away. Like it that it used to be this this two prong they should be virtuous and they should be competent. And um over the years, both of those have, have just kind of gone away. And so religion um, it's just held up as a prop now. Right. It's it's meant to manipulate people, and people are manipulated, and that goes into the the second the second thing that's going on, I think, which is what you said this this removal of scripture alone, and um, we we have churches that they use the Bible much the same way as these politicians do um, as a prop, and uh, they'll they'll start a sermon using a, a verse or a passage or a story and they will jump off of it into whatever else they want to talk about i i told you this morning i think that the uh, the average congregation in an evangelical church in america today is maybe just as bad as the average congregation of a roman catholic church in the middle ages yeah where the priest would would recite something scripture or yeah you have to break that down whatever. you're gonna have to break that down a little bit for people what yeah. was the church like in the medieval yeah Catholic the, the, era? the the priest would just recite the mass mm -hmm. there might be there might be some scripture in it but it's church teaching yeah they'd, they'd go through the the mass um which is um in what language in latin and did and, anybody and speak the, it? yeah no one no one spoke it the the priest usually didn't even speak it they didn't even know what what they were saying. saying it was just it was magic it was incantation right and there's a reason why calvin called the mass hocus pocus yeah is because it was it was hocus pocus they, they'd speak it in latin they'd speak it in in this language they didn't even understand and they would break the they'd break the bread and and um they'd give it to the people and it was it was supposed to be the the actual body of christ and it was supposed to be a means of of conferring grace on that person right uh, they wouldn't even give the the cup to the people because they were so entrenched in their superstition that they thought if if uh, these uneducated people spilled some of the of the wine that they were they were spilling the blood the actual blood of Christ and so they they wouldn't even give the cup to to the average layperson because they were just so yeah. so filled with superstition but the 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 people in the Middle Ages they didn't know. The Any, scripture. They didn't know anything about the scripture. They didn't know the scripture. They just they just blindly would follow the priest. Right. I think that um, many congregations in America today are just as bad. Right. They don't know the Bible. They just follow what whatever the, whatever the, the says. preacher says, whatever um, the Christian bookstore is is peddling, whatever the the latest speaker is is selling yeah that's what they they buy into mm -hmm. but i i think the congregations in america today are more complicit they're they're more guilty because they actually have the bible in their own language yes and and they probably have many bibles in their house and they they don't read it right and so the the problem that we saw yesterday is not a political one mm -hmm. it's a spiritual one and i i think the blame lies with pastors yeah I, I think the the blame lies squarely with pastors who for um, hundreds of years now yeah 
And the blame, the blame, it, this plays out on both sides of the aisle too. You on one side, you have uh, you have people who can who are professing to be Christians and yet totally support um, abortion, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, and the, you saw this in the Georgia election, right? The he he won, uh, I mean, outright won in Georgia, and you think that there would never be somebody who wins like that who so publicly supports abortion. And yet he's elected, yeah. and he's a pastor, supposedly, air quotes, a pastor, right? Uh, Eb- Ebenezer Baptist Church. Yeah. And and so there, you have it on the left, and you have—and the reason that is is because the Bible isn't the rule. Right. The Bible is not ruling that community. It's human tradition. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, uh, on the right, you have human tradition as well, ruling, and the Bible is not— held out as sufficient for our lives. And so you see it overflow into what happened at the Capitol. Um, now, granted, I mean, we don't need to... Do we need to qualify and qualify everything here? Eh, whatever. Of course we know not everybody at the Capitol was being stupid. But I think what is demonstrated is uh, a, a real passion for yeah. people flying Jesus flags right. out of political things, and that being taken to the Capitol... That's bad, dude. Like, if you're trying to like bring the gospel to your friends, like, what do they associate with Christianity? Well, they associate with people flying Jesus flags, and then there's other people there wearing like Viking outfits, and they're taking, <laughs> trying to take the Capitol building, and then you know, I mean, it's just, it, and it's mayhem. Yeah. Well, I think here's what I think. Like, I think you're right about that. It comes down to just a straight up denial of what we're told to do in Scripture. Like we don't have to question like what hey, how is a Christian supposed to live in a political realm? Uh, we're told by First Timothy chapter two. First of all, then I urge that supplication, prayers, and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all peoples, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So the question that's gotta be, right? before I'm going to be involved in this activity, right? Is it going to promote the idea that I'm living a quiet and godly life, dignified in every way? Mm. You see what I mean? That's God's goal for our lives. Right. The Christian life—and this this is counterintuitive, because when Christians engage in this type of lifestyle, um, it undermines uh, from the ground up the society around it. The society is engaged in this endless back and forth, and there's turmoil, and then there's the Christians living a peaceful and quiet and godly life, dignified in every way, and they're proclaiming the gospel and sharing the gospel, and the societies are transformed from the ground up. It's just completely opposite of what we've been seeing. We're not seeing Christians pursue this, right? And this is written in the Roman Empire. Um I mean, our society, I think, is is on a downward downward spiral. In many ways, we have our strange perversions that are unique to our society. But this is a perverse perverse uh, society that this is written to Christians that they're living in. I mean, right. Eph- Ephesus, where Timothy is ministering, is like it's like a pagan Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. You got to go. Let's go to Ephesus. And there's just pagan gods and goddesses everywhere. There's Artemis of the Ephesians. Maybe you can go up to the to the to the pagan grounds there, and there's all kinds of like 
group sex things going on people can't be involved in and the government sponsors this stuff and uh, and not only does it sponsor it it sees that this type of behavior is linked to the political world that if we don't engage in this type of behavior um, then the gods won't bless us and we see christians there but paul tells paul tells them try to live in this society in a peaceful and quiet life Godly and dignified in every way. He doesn't tell them storm these pagan temples. Assert your rights to not be exposed to this nonsense, right? And it comes to a different perspective, um, right? He tells the Philippians, this is a little jaunt across the Aegean Sea from Ephesus, but he tells them, he reminds them of their true citizenship, and they would be very proud of their citizenship. The Philippians would. They had full Roman citizenship. Not every colony had that. Well, I guess a colony did, but not every town. Not every town had it. And he he reminds them, they're so proud of their citizenship, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even subject all things to himself. So these are just two verses that I thought off the top of my head. What we're seeing in the amount of investment in politics today by Christians, I think, which could lead to them being involved uh, in a way of what happened uh, at the Capitol, is a denial of the sufficiency of scriptures which tell us what our role is, which tell us our main, our citizenship is in heaven. Why are we so concerned about all of these things that are going on here, just like the world? Because that's the level it's at. It's you're concerned just like the world is concerned about these political affairs. Mm -hmm. Your citizenship is not here. It is in heaven. And you're to live a quiet and dignified life. And I think just the denial of those two, that God, that those those two things are good things, it leads to what we're seeing. Yeah, um, another passage that I was thinking about <clears throat> is from Second Corinthians chapter ten. Uh-huh. Corinth, it's um, it's like this intellectual kind of center. Uh-huh. You might might see it as maybe a, a New York, maybe a New York City, uh-huh. something like that. Um, and philosophy and rhetoric, you uh-huh. know, being able it's it's not the substance of what you say; it's how you say it, right? Um, that's that's highly regarded um power position um success all of those things are um viewed as as priorities mm-hmm. and um you you see this especially in in first corinthians paul is dealing with this because the the church is it's adopting this the same mindset we we need to have that influence we need to be those who are considered wise and powerful and and all of these things and and Paul is just dismantling that in 1 Corinthians. Well, 2 Corinthians uh you've got false teachers who are coming in and they're he he labels them as super apostles because they're they're presenting themselves as these I I, I always liken them to, you know, the word of faith televangelists that you see. Right. Um, because they're that God wants to bless you and and uh and bring you you know um, power and and fame and all of this and here comes Paul limping into town having been you know thrown in the prison for the umpteenth time mm-hmm. and they look at him and say that he can't be a real apostle because look right. at what's happened to him 
Yeah. And uh, and so Paul, in, in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, he says this, and I, I think this applies because it's the church that's trying to buy into this, buy into this mindset of this is what this is what it's it's supposed to look like. We we've got to be on par with the world's views of success and power and and fame and wisdom and and all of this. And and Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that what we're seeing, and, and again, we, we want to be really careful because what happened yesterday, it wasn't just a bunch of Christians that were, you know, uh, rushing into right. the into the capital, no, yeah. but there were Christians that were there, mm-hmm. and they were taking part in in the rallies, and, and many the, of them the weren't protests. weren't involved. Right. Uh, we'll clarify the type of Christian we mean here in a minute, yeah, because we're going to read some things from the Jericho March. Oh, well, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. All right. <laughs> we haven't really talked about that yeah. um, yet, and that happened months ago. It's linked to this, though. It is, yeah. Um, the, and what what we're seeing is is we've got professing Christians who are waging war with worldly weapons, yes, and being concerned that they use the right tactics to get the success, to get the to get the outcome that they want, right. And um, and and that's not the kind of of warfare that we wage as Christians. Yeah, we are demolishing every thought. Well, how do you do that? It's it's not going to be through um, pithy Facebook post mm-hmm. or or tweeting. You know these long diatribes right. against what's going on. Um, even these protests. That's not the way that we demolish. Strongholds. That's right. not the way that we we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought by the word of God. Yeah, like that's that is the weapon. It is the word of God. It's the gospel going forth in the power of the Spirit. And I think that um, that's not good enough for a lot of people. It's just not. Yeah, that's not yeah. good enough because I, what yeah. we saw yesterday was a boiling over of impatience and mm-hmm. frustration. Right. Like. It, we we could we could go off on a rabbit trail and talk about um you know was there election fraud and and i think both of us would say there was some fishy stuff going on the yeah, last several months i think it's a good a point to insert this how should christians think about politics yeah. well here's a rule of thumb that i think is biblical and it's based in a biblical anthropology which is a, a doctrine of humanity right that's what it, that means uh theology of man well it's total depravity do do I think there was election fraud? Absolutely. Why? Because people are totally depraved. <laughs> right. Um, and so, but 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 you ought to you gotta you gotta believe that of both sides. And I always believe that of, of both sides. Trump, right? I think meant to cause that. Now he'll deny it all day long. I think Trump meant to incite people to go to the Capitol and cause cause a ruckus. He probably didn't intend somebody to get shot, but. Maybe go there, make so much commotion that the thing gets shut down. Do I believe that? Absolutely, because I know that he, that he. I assume the worst of people in power. They want power. They want it at all cost. And what if it's power is not their motivation? What is it? It could be fame. Could be financial. So yes, but I also assume the worst of the other side. 
I believe the other side knew that he was going to do that. And I believe they were hoping that what happened happened. Um, I'm highly suspicious of, of how people are able to breach one of the most important buildings on the face of the planet. Right. Which makes me think that at a minimum, they wanted some level of escalation, the other side, not even Trump's side, because it can be used for years as, as political, as uh, it can weaponize it politically, right? So anyone that falls into the ideology of Trump or that brand of conservatism, they're going to be able to kill it. They're going to say, this is the only time in the history of our nation, other than when the British burned, you know, uh, they invaded and burned. It's the only time, and look who did it. It was this brand of conservatism. And so they just, they're able to weaponize it in every election now. And of course, I, I don't be so naive. If you're Even if you're not a Christian, don't be so naive. They have... Each side has people in a room paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to scheme these scenarios right. and to see how can we use everything that happens to our advantage. So, yeah, I mean, don't—so I guess what I'm saying is have a biblical view of everyone that's in power. Yeah. They're fallen. They're sinful, fallen people. Right. That's what our governments are composed of. Yeah. Um, so I don't even know where, where we were well, going I mean, with that. I, I mean, moving back to what we saw yesterday, it was, it was just an, an overflow of, of frustration. Yes. And I think Christians can get caught up in that. Yeah. It, it's easy to get caught up in this frustrating, um, we don't want to see a, a Biden-Harris administration, and we don't want to see the Democrats in control because— yeah, and they feel all, like of all the of all the the wickedness that they're going to they're going to do over the next four years, and they really feel like um, their votes were stolen. Right? Yeah, they feel like they were cheated. Right, and the media has a role to play in that. Yeah, because the media and those in power, um, I don't even know what you would call them, establishment people on the right and the left have been opposing Trump for since the day that he was elected. Before he was even sworn in, they're talking about impeaching him, and so you go through four years of this, Russia collusion hoax thing, and then you've got uh, the impeachment that failed. Uh, of course, his followers are going to think they stole the election from us. Right. The media created them. Yeah. The media created them. They didn't appear out of thin air. Right? Right. So, yeah, but, Christians... But Christians, they get caught up in this. Oh, they and do, I, yeah. And I think it's because you look at, at, at passages like Second Corinthians 10, and... It doesn't look like it works, right? And uh, it's because our priorities are all yes mixed up. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are pursuing um, a different goal than even the best of Republicans, right? Like there, our goals are different. We're we're supposed to be focusing on something different, and um, we we don't need to let. This this kind of wave of frustration and and anger um, carry us away with it, right? Because we need to be doing what the scriptures tell us to do. Yeah, yeah. And um, there is the inescapable reality of of what our nation does. As we said, as God lets us go our own way, we're under the judgment of God. Yeah. Um, there is a very real sense that um, when Roe passed. That was the beginning of the end for our nation. And if our nation doesn't repent, I, I don't see how we escape. Right. And it's based in the character of God. God's character and his and what he, what he's done through world history 
what we see him doing in the Bible, right? Every nation that does this has one outcome, yeah. right? They, well, we we see the um, we see the consequences of of the sin of slavery uh-huh. in the the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> what what was the consequence of that? Uh-huh. I mean, our nation was torn apart, mm-hmm. and um, there was radical violence and corruption and abuse of of power. And I mean, it's here's the here's the consequences. It was God's mercy that brought the the country back together. Like that that should have been the end yeah. of of the nation. Um, but God, in His mercy, He allowed the the nation to heal. But what did we do? Did it did it lead us to repentance? Did His kindness lead us to repentance, as as Paul says it it should do in mm-hmm. Romans chapter two? No, it <laughs> led us to more wickedness. Right. It led us to, um, uh. Uh, pride in our nation and in the American spirit, and look at what we can accomplish. Even after all of these things, we can we can rebuild, and it just led us to more wickedness. And so we we just we are we're throwing our sin in the face of God and saying, "What are you going to do about it?" Yeah. And this is this is what the wicked do. It, read read the Psalms. Like the the wicked think. God doesn't see, mm-hmm. but he does. Right. And he is a God who feels indignation every day. Mm-hmm. And one day his, his anger at our sin will, will flow out. And, right. and I don't know what that's going to look like, but we deserve it. I mean, we deserve it. it there's, there's no way that we can excuse uh, abortion or the, just the rampant out of control sexual immorality mm-hmm. um just the the corruption the abuse of people um yeah there's just no the the warfare mm-hmm. that we just relish mm-hmm. the the violence that our nation is filled with mm-hmm. these this is genesis chapter 6 right and the whole the whole earth is filled with with wickedness yeah, yeah you're right yeah so the um, let's move now back to the uh, how how are we to understand how we got to this place, right? As you, as we said before, there's a a disbelief of the Bible, whether it's vocalized or not, an undermining of sola scriptura. Yeah, as what what the what the kind of general claim is as to how we arrived here. We don't believe what God has said that it's good to li- to live a dignified and quiet life. That right. we're citizens of another kingdom, and so we adopt the world's tactics. We're engaged in everything just like the world. I say we, like we're not, obviously, but I'm using this broader uh, what people throw. But, the, I mean, the, the we, label Christian. Even, on even it. we can be tempted by that. I mean, it's um, yes, it's so subtle. Yeah, it's so subtle the the uh, the ways that we can undermine. Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture, it, it, it's so subtle. We have to always be yeah. coming back to what does the Bible say. That needs We need to answer that every time we are uh, about to make some kind of, of decision, some kind yeah. of action. We need to think, all right, how does, does this line up with the Scripture? Does this, is this, are we adopting worldly tactics or are we doing what we're 
we're supposed to be doing according to the scripture. Right. So, so I, I think <clears throat> using we, that's that's good because it's easy for us to get puffed up with pride. Yeah. Well, we hold the sola scriptura, yeah, and right, right, that right. will never change. Yeah. Um, but it's it's subtle. But we are not at the Jericho March. We were not and at that's the what Jericho I, March. That's what I wanted to address. <laughs> All right. Because... Uh, to those, to many people who are not Christians and not in the Christian community, they look at Christianity and what they see is the people at the Jericho March. Oh yeah, that's Christianity. Well, you see, you, you can see you can see how how um, Christianity is portrayed in movies and, and television yeah. shows. You're either you're either a Roman Catholic, yeah, or you are a, a wild eyed charismatic, yeah, and there is no you're right. There's nothing. There's else. no. There's no Christian living a a, a quiet, dignified, <laughs> peaceful, life. dignified life, unless they are in some kind of you know Amish community. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're just a side note, if you're going to be engaged in taking the gospel into the culture, the culture is going to be. It's going to get at you. Like it's going to. It's. It's going to get. It could even get violent. They could throw you in jail. That's not what Paul's talking about. Right, he's not talking about that. He doesn't live that life. All right, the gospel can cause a riot, as he yeah. as yeah. we see. Well, in Acts. The, I mean, the these are the people that have turned the whole world upside down. Right, right. Like it's gonna, it's gonna rub. Yes, it's gonna, we're not, we're not talking about living as monks, you right. know, in caves. Mm-hmm. So, when people look, they say, "Oh, the Christians are the Christians evangelicals." That's Trump. They're with Trump. So we need to try to correct that. I think what we saw, the Jericho March was this strange pro-Trump rally that happened in November before the election. I think it was in November, right? early November, right before the election took place. It was one of the strangest, most blasphemous, ecumenical, weird things ever, but it captures perfectly. People are calling it Christian nationalism. I, I, th- I don't think that's the right term for it. I Christian think it nationalism. The, I think it was at the beginning of December. Okay. Yeah. Christian nationalism. Yeah that that term started getting thrown out there. Christian I, nationalism. I don't know that it catches correctly what this is. Yeah. It's not Christian nationalism. That's not what it is. Uh, because this isn't have anything to do with biblical Christianity <laughs> right. whatsoever. Now they would love to do that so they could. Uh, they could, you know, they're slandering every person that's a follower of Christ, mm-hmm. Christian nationalism. But we got to push back. We got to come up with a new name for it. And then, so here's something I don't, I don't know. Maybe a few ecumenical uh, doggery. Doggery. What do you think about that? <laughs> ecumenical doggery. So I come up with this because Paul calls uh, those who are corrupting the gospel dogs. Dogs. I don't know if this is a good name or not. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be going out trying to trademark that just yet. Ecumenical you might, doggery. You might want to work on. I work on it. I want to work bit on more. that a little bit. <laughs> Ecumenical paganism. Because we're going to see How this. About that? We're, Ecumenical we're gonna, paganism. We're going to. If I don't think this is going to go away just no. because Trump's going away. Right. I think that as a, a pushing back against what's coming, mm-hmm. I think we'll see maybe an increase. Yeah. In this kind of You're stuff, right. there's going to be more. Ecumenical paganism. Can I call it that? Sure. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's it's hard to capture in a phrase. We're it gonna is. we're gonna figure out a phrase and we're gonna trade. Okay. <laughs> I'll make some shirts. <clears throat> but okay, so the here you have this collection of people 
um, they kind of have one thing in common, though. There's kind of one driving theme here. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two. A, a support of Trump as he's, um, like, they believe he's God's man. Mm-hmm. Like, they even call him the Lord's anointed. He's Cyrus, right? Yeah. The Lord's anointed. He's si- Yeah, they call him Cyrus, call him which Cyrus. is so creepy, weird. Explain to the listener what that means. Well, uh, King Cyrus, he was the king of Persia that um, allowed the exiled Jews to return to Israel Yeah. Um, after Babylon carried them away. Persia conquered Babylon, and King Cyrus allowed the, the exiles to return home. And so... Um, he, and he seemed very friendly, actually. Yeah. I mean, he allowed them to go, and he provided supported them. them. He, yeah, he supported them. He gave them everything that they needed to start rebuilding the temple. Yes, and so there are people, people who are applying that same yes. idea they to Trump. Cyrus. They they see him as Cyrus. Yeah, that I'll, he's he's in his presidency. He's going to help re, rebuild. I don't know Christianity. Mm-hmm. He's the Lord's anointed too. They call him that. Yeah, I think I think um, Paula White and others of the Word of Faith movement have told Trump he's the Lord's anointed so many times. He, pr- I think he started to believe it. There was, and and I'm going to. I, this was years ago. There was some um, talk show, like radio talk show personality, who I think likened Trump to the King of Israel. Yeah. I don't remember who that was it's or weird, when it was, but there, stuff, there's man. been some weird stuff. Tell us what the, the Jericho March is before okay. you start talking about what happened at it. Well, I don't... It's a pro-Trump rally. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, how else can I describe it? Well, I mean, why would, I they, call, why would they call it the Jericho March? Because, okay. <laughs> uh, because Israel marched around Jericho, blew their trumpets, and the walls fell down. What kind of trumpets do you think they blew, Jay? Shofars, right? <laughs> shofar. They blew this shofar. So they march around. So the Jericho march. Yeah. Like, we're rallying. We're going to march on the Capitol. We're mm-hmm. going to blow our shofars. God's going to give us victory. Yeah. Well, joke's on you. <laughs> uh, uh, because God providentially arranged for Trump to lose. God, right. God holds everything in the palm of his hand. Right. He lost. Whether it was by cheating or not, doesn't matter. Yeah. God made him lose, mm-hmm. but you said it's Jericho March. We're marching for triumph. We're right. going to blow the shofars, and this this is a ecumenical hodgepodge of of oh, yeah. nonsense that undermines the sufficient sufficiency of Scripture, the sufficiency of the Bible. It's the other main thing it has in common: pro Trump and pro undermining of the Bible. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's there, what it is. There's all kinds of people at this thing. Oh, it's wild, dude. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> for starters, how do we kick this thing off? We've got a <laughs> right. we've got a man from California who was supposedly had extra biblical uh, encounter with the living God. Total lie. Um, uh, he's not a, he's not a prophet. He's not an apostle. But it, but you know what did God reveal to him? Some miraculous thing? No, God taught him to blow a shofar. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So this, this guy. Is one had, of the, this is one of the weirdest things. Because you see this all the time. Yeah. Um, I saw something on the the Lawton community Facebook page of someone saying, is there anybody around here who teaches... Teaches to blow teaches shofars? Teaches to blow shofar. Yeah, what do you want to blow a shofar it's for? bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> it's really bizarre. I don't, I don't know where this comes from because yeah. it doesn't come from the Bible. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're going to blow that shofar and get victory for yourself. Yeah. What absolute nonsense. So this guy is <laughs> a, uh, I guess he's like a, maybe Orthodox Jew, but, uh, so I, he goes to, he gets I permission. Thought, I thought that most of them were Messianic Jews, but I I don't, he's I don't not. Know. Okay. I don't think he is. He's old school. Okay. He he lives in Israel now. That's his base of operations. I think his website's called Shofar Show Great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so weird. He got permission from his rabbi to break the Sabbath. That's okay. that's why I think he's not a messianic. Jew. I gotcha. So you have Judaism, like All right. So let's start off with that. Uh, it's like Zionistic Judaism, maybe. Um, he got permission to break. How, how does your rabbi give you permission? If you're a Jew, <laughs> a sidebar, just a sidebar, okay? Who, what man has authority to tell another man he can break God's command? Okay, well, here we can we can point to sola scriptura again, right? Right there's <laughs> it again is. I mean, we don't believe we don't believe that was anything, but he believes he Ro- has to keep Sabbath. Ro- Roman Catholicism has more similarities with with Old Testament Judaism than it does with actual Christianity. Yeah. And so you've got the traditions of the rabbis, mm-hmm. and and so you can get permission to yeah. ignore this because there's there's something greater that you can do. Yeah. Right. He got permission to skip the Sabbath uh-huh. so he could blow the shofar okay. at the Trump rally. Because that's work. It's Yeah, and he's doing, <laughs> he's doing the Lord's work, right? <laughs> but hey, surprise, right? right, right. Yeah. Hey, God's got a little little trick for you. It's called You Lost. <laughs> Shofar blowing did nothing. Okay. I'm kind of passionate about the undermining of the scriptures, George. Yes. I don't like it. Right. All right. First weirdo. <laughs> Next, you have Eric's Metaxas, who up to this point, I, I did. I, only thing I knew about him is he wrote the Bonhoeffer. Uh, that Bonhoeffer book was very good. Okay. Have you read it? No, I haven't. Okay. It, no. it was very good. Yeah, that's what he, he kind of made it. That's that's how I that's how I heard yeah. about him. I think he's written some other maybe biographies. I, I've only read the the Bonhoeffer biography, but it was it was good. Um, I, I enjoyed it. But uh, I did see several months ago. Did you see him sucker punch that uh, that protester? I did in DC. No, I didn't. Yeah, I, I don't know whatever happened to that. There's video of him like running up behind a protester and just sucker punching him. He ran up running off. Eric, like Eric this is, Texas? Yeah. He ran up and sucker punched a dude. Yeah. Man, that's... It's bizarre. That's, yeah, he's... That's it, it's good. it's really bizarre. That's cowardly. He's a coward. Um, but he's pu- a... What is somebody? he, a radio... He has a radio program, I, I think. I don't know. Well, here's what he said when this thing kicked off. All right. This thing came about because God gave some man a vision. Mm-hmm. So Eric Metax said, you're going to meet that man in just a second. <laughs> he says, when God gives you a vision... You don't need to know anything else. It's powerful words, Jay. <laughs> what do you think of that? Powerful stuff. Okay. When God gives you a vision, you don't need to know anything else. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Jay. That seems like it just kicks open the door to all kinds of nonsense. Yeah. You ever hear of a, of a man named Joseph Smith? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> How about a man named Muhammad? Mm-hmm. Yep. If you get a vision, here's what you need to do. You need to open your Bible up and say, um, why did this vision occur? 
I have everything I need in the scriptures, and then you need to say, uh, maybe this wasn't from God. Yeah. That'd be a good practice. I'd go with that. Yeah. Right? I'd be very skeptical uh, of any supposed visions ever. Right? There are only a few people that get visions, and by a few, I'm going to say less than 20 that I can think of. Right? Like, even in the Bible, they're rare. Mm-hmm. Very, these type of encounters with God are extremely rare. Right. So there's, that's a big problem. The my pillow guy pops out. <laughs> yeah, he does. He, Eric Eric Metaxic says, "When God gives you a vision, you don't need anything anything else." And then he says, "Hey, here in a second, my pillow comes on. Use the code word Eric <laughs> to get a discount." <laughs> Eric Metaxic, you can't make this stuff up, man. Insanity. Yeah. All right. So you go through the. People it wasn't that are, so. Mike Lindell comes out, and he, yeah. he starts giving his stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the things that is um, characteristic of this, this kind of movement is there's not, there's not any reverence. Right, there's not. There's a bunch of bravado. There's this triumphalism. Like yeah. there, there's this, just this um, puffing out of the chest. Is that is that what we've seen throughout history when mm-hmm. God is about to move amongst his people, Mm-mm. when he's about to do something and, no. and act on behalf of his people? Is that what we is that no. what we usually see? No, and we saw it last week, right? That's right. I mean, I mean Tuesday, Text Driven Tuesday was all about right. this. Right. There's a, a sense of sin, an overwhelming sense of sin. It yeah. causes humility. Yeah. And there's repentance. These are the type of things we see when God's moving. Um so you've got a, a Jew, right, who skips Sabbath. You've got Eric Metaxas, a, uh, I guess he'd say he's an evangelical. Now we have coming on stage a Colorado priest who's an exorcist. He prays in a, this shamanistic fashion uh, to God to deliver America from demons because mm-hmm. he's an exorcist. Right. He prays to Mary... Um, he does all kind, of, and then there's other Catholics that come out, and they do all kinds of weird icon, iconographic stuff, and the the uh, the uh, all the they ev- sing the Ave Maria, yeah, and the evangelicals that are there, they're just like, yay, right, yay, let, we support it, yeah, we're praying to Mary now. This is why I'm saying this is this is ecumenical paganism, yeah, like we. Uh, Catholics preach a different gospel. Yep. But you'll unify with them in these false visions that you've all supposedly had that trumps the man, the Lord's anointed, and you'll support it so that you would overlook justification by faith alone. That's does it matter anymore? Like the cardinal doctrine, like the the article of which the church rises or falls, you're just going to overlook it. Yeah. And be okay with praying to Mary and all these other weird things that are going on. Here's a a hot take, probably not for this program, but maybe if you've never heard it before. I don't think that we as as Christians should partner with Roman Catholics even on the issue of abortion. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think that we should partner with Roman Catholics who are outside of a of an abortion mill. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I would, whenever, 
on the times that I would go to the abortion mill and would be sharing the gospel, there would be some Catholic people there. Mm-hmm. They will not engage with anyone. So they sit there <clears throat> and they pray. Yeah, they pray like the ro- they pray the rosary. Yeah, they got the rosary. The rosary. They pray uh-huh. the rosary. Yep. They will not attempt to talk to any people, or you know, I mean, what are they going? What gospel are they going to share? Right. Right. What do they have to offer them? Like become part of the Catholic Church and and take the sacraments and God will forgive your sins. Uh, but they don't even, they don't do any of that stuff. They they have a completely different tactic. Um, but you're right. The Catholic Church teaches another gospel. Right. To overlook that, this is a Galatians one level heresy and yeah. sin that they teach. A double anathema, Paul would lay upon them. Trump's more important than that. <laughs> right. Explain that to me. Yeah. How? How yeah, would... it's uh, it's bizarre. Yeah, bizarre. Um, Alex Jones comes out later. <laughs> Alex that's, Jones. That's <laughs> the consp- th- This dude is like. Uh, I don't even know how to explain him. You're just gonna have to Google him. All right, I'm yeah. not even gonna try to explain Alex. But Jones. he's got. He's got like Alex Jones. He's got like a hundred ducks at his house. Jay, didn't you know that? Didn't you know that there's no law that says you can't take those ducks at the park home? <laughs> what is that? What he said. This is a this is a guy who he is entertaining to be sure. This is the guy that said that um, if it came down to to uh, his neighbor or or his family, he'd eat you. Yeah, he'd eat his neighbors. <laughs> he'd eat his neighbors to feed yeah, his family. <laughs> that's right. Infowars guy. Yeah, crazy. So he yeah. comes out. He comes out. Yeah, um, God's on our side. He's right. screaming. <laughs> we'll never bow down to the satanic pedophilic new world order. This is the, the <laughs> this is the beginning of the great revival before the Antichrist comes. Revelation is fulfilled. Yeah, world government <laughs> is here. The system is publicly stealing this election from the biggest landslide and the biggest political realignment since 1776. Yeah, and the, again, the thing that all of this has in common, right? This Jewish man who had this extra revelation, whatever, where he learned to blow a shofar. Um, Metaxas, Metaxas and these other people, Lindell, they have these, you know, there's these visions that God told them to have the Jericho march. Uh, the Catholics, it's all extra from the Bible. That's the thing that's all got in common. Yeah, It's all extra. Is the Bible is insufficient. The Bible is not enough. We've got to have something extra. And it's a mess. Ecumenical paganism. Mm-hmm. It's good for us to um, want to see a revival in our country. Mm-hmm. And it's good for us to want to see virtuous government leaders we should we should be sorrowful over the state of our our government yeah but if we truly want to see change 
as Christians, there really is only one, one aim, and that is preach the word. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 is what the Protestant Reformation was all about. Yeah. Um. It the, no one the, no one knew the yeah, word. No one, as no we one said understood before. it. They couldn't have the Bible. They didn't have their Bible in their language. Mm-hmm. And so when the Holy Spirit came and He brought revival, it was revival of the Word. People got the Bible in their language. That was what the reformers were trying to do: trying yeah. to get the Bible into the common man's hands. Yeah. And there were people that died yes. to get the Bible to us. Yeah. Um, we, we think of of Tyndale uh-huh. and his his labors to translate the Bible into English. Yeah. And um, I can't remember the precise percentage, but even with the ESV, the ESV still uses a yeah. high percentage of Tyndale's yeah. translation. Uh-huh. Um, it, it had a lasting effect. Yes. Like people today are still reading the words of someone that, that translated into our, our language hundreds yeah. of years ago. Right. Um. If if we want to see true revival, true change, um, it's got to start with the scriptures. Yeah. So it starts in the churches. It, and, it and that's, start it starts with the preaching. Yeah. And as the people have the word of God. Yeah. In them, they start to read. They start to understand. They start to to proclaim the gospel. Now and let's that's get, that's what that's what brings about change. So now let's get very practical. The Jericho March, the non, the craziness we see there. A large portion of those who would say they are Christians, many of them, I would doubt, understand the Bible or or the gospel at all. Right. But they still, <clears throat> nevertheless, identify as Christians. Those that would, there are many there that would have flags. You know, they were caught up in what happened at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Where do we place the blame? Right, we. You and I, I think, believe that it, it the blame lies at in generation after generation after generation of pastors in this nation that did not open the Bible and preach the text right. of the Bible. Right now, they may stand up with a Bible, mm-hmm. and they may even do the little tricky thing where they put their notes inside the Bible. You see that little trick? That's uh-huh. a little tricky. A little tricky. Got my notes in the Bible, so you think I'm preaching out of the Bible. Um, well, we have generations after generation of people not doing what we would call expositional preaching. Right. So, like what you said earlier, the people of this nation are biblically illiterate. They go to church a lot. They have no idea what the Bible says about anything. Yeah. They and you know we've got we've got we're 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 Southern Baptists. So I'll stick with Southern Baptist. So Southern Baptist, they have um, Awanas uh-huh. and Vacation Bible School and Falls Creek and these places where um, the Bible is presented. I mean, Awanas is all about memorizing verses. Yeah. Um, and I, that's good. But what we're talking about is it's not being explained. Right. Like you... You've got people that they know verses. They yes. they know things that the Bible says, but they don't know what it means. They they don't have they don't know what the context is for these 
these books, so they're just ripping verses out of context. Right. I mean, yeah. You've got uh, you've got Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. That's just being used all the time, everywhere. Yeah. Right. Um, Philippians four thirteen. Mm-hmm. Just being ripped out of context. Um, so it's it's not being explained. They don't understand the context. They don't know the overarching story of the Bible, and um, they're not being pointed to Christ. Mm-hmm. They're being pointed to here's here's you know seven things that you can do for a, a stronger marriage. Mm-hmm. The the there's an invitation that's tacked on at the end, right? That you know a pastor will spend thirty minutes talking about here's all the things that you can do, mm-hmm. and then giving an invitation. And what do they need Jesus for? You just told them that there's these steps that they can do to have a better life. Um. Yeah, the the blame for most of this it lies it lies at the feet of of pastors that have not been they don't know the Bible themselves. They're not spending time studying. There's a lot of pastors that are more administrators than they are theologians, mm-hmm. and they're they're not faithfully teaching the Bible to their people. Yeah, and we're just reaping what what's been sown, not just in the last four years, but decades yeah yeah the majority of the preaching has been though it may use the bible as a jumping off point mm-hmm. um american and i was telling you it'd be interesting to write a book about this about what is american preaching yeah it's american preaching is very much it mirrors what we are about as a, na- a nation yeah we're about self-improvement mm-hmm. bettering oneself and pulling oneself up by their own bo- bootstraps right. even so much so that Many, many would preach that salvation begins in that fashion. They yeah. wouldn't say it outright as explicitly as that. But this is about self-improvement. And so the many of the sermons, they come at it from this angle. How do I help you become more self-realized, the better version of yourself, the better man, the better husband, um, more successful, a better leader? Yeah. And, and that's the angle, right? It's American... That's the American, and and, and it kind of has a broad sweep. I mean, it, it, in many it, many denominations, right, all across the spectrum, it's an American culture thing. Um, and you know, I remember the first time, and you said you do too, that you ever heard um, as an adult. I heard some expositional preaching growing up, uh, but after I was saved, uh, the the type of preaching that I got wouldn't fall into what we would call expositional preaching. And then the first time I heard it, yeah, it's literally like you hear the voice of Christ. Yeah. It's like a bomb went off. Yeah. It, it really was. You know, I, I grew up Southern Baptist, um, just your average Southern Baptist church. Nothing, nothing crazy. Um, just a, average size, you know, maybe 150, 200 member Southern Baptist Church. And um, my pastor was, from my perspective, he was a good pastor, um, but he didn't, he didn't go through the scriptures like we would, we would say, uh, you know, as an expositor. Um, And then it was after college that I stumbled upon um, John MacArthur, and started hearing 
expositional preaching. And it it really was. It was it was like a bomb went off. Mm. It's like wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you you kind of feel dumb. Like, of course this is what it <laughs> I mean, I had an English degree by this time. Like I knew how to read a book. <laughs> like you're you don't you don't just you don't just flip a page and just, you know, take a verse start here and there. <laughs> like you 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 read from the beginning to the end. Like you who wrote this? Who's he writing it to? What's the context? Like this was all, this was all you know entry level English, how to read a book. Yeah, and I wasn't applying it to the Bible. And then when I heard a preacher actually doing that, like, what what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> what have I been doing all these years? You know, and honestly, I think it goes hand in hand. As as I mean, God God could change everything immediately. God could send. 20,000 Lloyd Jones and Charles Spurgeons to America. He could raise them up immediately. It would yeah. cha- it would change the nation. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't done that. Right. He, he's he's this is part of his we, we we would call it maybe maybe you could call it passive wrath. Yeah. Being under the passive wrath of God where he, he there's a famine in the land mm-hmm. of hearing the word of God. Right. That's a great sermon to if you've never heard it by Steve Lawson. It's called Famine in the Land. It's about preaching. Um, so there's a little plug if you're listening. Check that out. Um, okay, so for people that are listening that are Christians, what should we do? What do we do now? What do we do? There, there's everything that we saw happen this week. Um, there's this weird growing, I don't like to call it Christian nationalism because it has nothing to do with Christianity. Because yeah. these people are okay being with each other that deny justification by faith. It's not Christianity. Ecumen- ecumenical... Yeah, paganism. What, what do we do now? I think the moving fir- forward. Yeah, I, th- I think the first thing that we we need to be reminded of is uh, don't panic. There's a lot of panic. Yeah, there's a lot of anxiety and um, worry and frustration, and um, that doesn't need to be part of our thought process going forward. Right, and even. I mean, we um, even even talking about you know what what uh, the next four years or eight years could look like. Um, I'm still optimistic mm. because God God is is sovereign. Uh-huh. He's He's sovereign over all of this. We we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Yeah, um, and so I still have I still have optimism, trusting that God is still working he's still going to accomplish his purposes the church is not going to be snuffed out um, god is god has his people he's given them to christ christ has purchased them with his blood he is not going to lose a single one of them um he he's going to um the spirit is going to cause all of christ's people to be born again yeah and so there's there's hope there there's no there's no um <clears throat> pessimism here yeah. we we might be realist but um, there's no pessimism here. There's there's optimism, knowing that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Yeah. So I think that's the first thing: is if you are anxious, if you are frustrated, um, I, I would do as as Paul says in Philippians, as Peter says in First Peter, um, be anxious about nothing, but in in everything through pra- prayer and supplication, present your. Mm-hmm. your petition to God yeah. and the peace of Christ 
that surpasses all understanding will will be yours, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean you're not going to be anxious. It just means you take your your anxiety to the only one who can who can do anything about it. Yeah. So I, I would say that's the first thing mm-hmm. is is get rid of this this frustration and this you know um you're you're gonna see stuff on Facebook you're you're gonna see people that are still posting. Well, yeah, my my practical advice was going to be get off of <laughs> get off of social media. Get off of social media and Facebook yeah. for a while, at least till things calm down. It's just yeah. not good for your it's not probably not good for your relationship with the Lord to be looking at him all the time. Yeah. Um that, every, that's that's not good ever to I mean, we yeah. we spend way too much time on social media. Yeah. Um so get off get off of that for a while. Yeah. Uh know your Bible. That would be the other practical thing. Yeah. Don't underestimate what God can do with people who know their Bible. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. He does all, I mean, it, just look at history. Martin Luther was a nobody. Yes. In 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 the whole span of of uh, all the people that were alive in the the 1500s, Martin Luther was a nobody. John Calvin was a nobody. Yeah. Um and yet look at what God did. Spurgeon was a nobody. Spurgeon was a nobody. Yeah, living out on a little farm out in the middle uh-huh. of nowhere in England. Yep. Know your Bible. Teach your children your Bible. Mm-hmm. What if, What if one of your children was the next Martin Luther? Yeah. You yeah. don't know. So yeah. value this. This is God's word is dangerous. Yeah. That's what I'll say. Like it's the the most dangerous thing to any political system is the Bible. Yeah. Let's know our Bible. Let's trust God. Trust in His sovereignty. Um, Get away from the vision stuff. If you're involved in the vision <laughs> yeah. stuff, you need to run from it. Mm-hmm. How many of these false prophets? Trump is going to win. Yeah. He's going to be, you know, these things are going to happen in his next administration. Yeah. Just yeah. get away from that stuff. Yeah, stop Stop. Stop getting so caught up in all these extra biblical things. Yeah. Uh, e- even if it's someone that you think is good to listen to and you've been edified in the past through yeah. something that they've said, get away from them and and find someone that just preaches the Bible. Yeah, yeah. That just preaches it verse by verse and then yeah. applies it to your life. You may buy your pillows from the My Pillow guy, <laughs> but let's not get our theology. Don't get your theology from, from the, the My, My Pillow, Pillow guy. guy. Yeah, right? that's good. That's good yeah. practical advice. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's let's. Uh, we probably need to shut this thing down, George. All right. So. All right. Well. Um, Thanks for joining us for this kind of long, rambling uh, (laughs) episode. Hopefully there's some kind of structure to it. You're able to follow it to some degree. It's our hope and our desire to uh, help you to be more like Christ, to hopefully correct error, to discuss things that are going on in the world and help you to look at them from a biblical perspective. Uh, So it's our hope and desire that this, this did that. If it did, please share it, like, subscribe. We're on YouTube, and we're on most, if you go with audio, we're on most audio podcasting platforms. Um, feel free to, to drop us a review and help us to uh, spread the word about the gospel. As In everything, it's our hope and our desire that this helped you to become more conformed to Christ.